0: Uh, So we're going to have a, uh, well, we're going to have a question and answer session before this, um, the next lecture. But the format is going to be um, professor and myself having a conversation which you're all meant to interject into sort of if you want anything clarified or if you think we're saying something incorrect or if you have a point to make. So it's a conversation amongst all of us, but it's being initiated between uh, Professor and myself to begin
1: with. So I'm on the hot spot for the moment. <laughs> uh, I promised to give you this extra fare, but I decided that we'd rather have a question-answer period on the material I covered at the very end because yesterday afternoon was a big confusion about timetables and everything. So there was little time at the end to do a proper job. So we are going back now. I will start my conversation with Sandy uh, about Kuzner's question, the paradox of interest. Remember, he stated the paradox. Why is it that if you buy a capital good, the price is lower than the expected return, the total sum of all the expected return you get from this capital uh, good over its useful life? because that's the source of interest. But, on the other hand, the entrepreneurs are competing to buy these capital goods because this gives them the livelihood and as they bid For these goods, the price goes up, and the upper limit is just this total sum of all the returns. So, uh, let me ask you, uh, at the first blush, how convincing do you find this statement? This is due to Hausmann, according to Kurtzner, But this is not important. This has been. This question has been around for a hundred years, and then there was no satisfactory answer. Okay. Suppose you hear this at the first time. How, how do you react? You find it natural to ask this question, or you, you say it's um, well, just what your impression is. Um,
0: that to me, it's not going to get the the the, the capital equipment wouldn't get bid up um, indefinitely um, because there is a um, there is a sort of uh, to me there is a minimum return that that's right. someone would want, and then they wouldn't bid it Declining up. Declining
1: return, yeah. and yeah. that's a point. It would not be attractive yeah. proposition. So th- this uh, doesn't cause any problem. now. But, on the other hand, uh, there are people who accept this. Hmm. Because there are other examples from economics when uh, the upper limit is reached. So let's just past that point, I don't see any questions. <laughs> I haven't been able to provoke a question yet. What I was doing yesterday may be just too rushed, but let me just rehash it. We have introduced the concept of conversion between income and wealth or the other direction. And the whole thing came from Menger. As far as I'm concerned, I found this parallel origin of money, which Menger did in beautiful details, and I try to imitate that, but this here is the origin of money, And both ideas come from marketability. So I split the concept of marketability, marketability in the large, and the best commodity, which has the best marketability is gold. And then the same way you ask marketability in the small. And it turns out that silver, Ultimately, there are many others. Just think of oh yes, I didn't give this example: grain on the one hand and cattle on the other. In ancient Greece, for example, which is described in the Homeric uh, epoisses, uh, are money. Now, which is the which has? which has had the marketability well, in the large. It would be the cattle? The cattle, you see? Because if you wanted to buy, for example, a house and pay for it in grain, that wouldn't be very practical. But you could bargain and say this house is worth five cattle, see? and the exchange is made. And then, of course, the other one is marketability in the small, and that would be great. And in between, historically, there were many other pairs, always in pairs. This is very interesting, but that's not our topic here. So uh, let's just go on. And and uh, the idea of exchanging wealth and income depends on something which has to have marketability in the small to the largest possible ex- extent and we even gave a second word right what was the second let me ask the uh, What was the second word for marketability in the small? Hmm? Hoardability. And marketability in the large? Saleability and uh, some people suggest liquidity and and that's all acceptable. Uh, But now here the word hoardability is very important. Because how is the conversion taking place in actual fact okay So could you solicit <laughs> yeah, I've been very successful soliciting questions but it's a theoretical concept convert income into wealth and wealth into income. but in practice, how does it look Yeah. <laughs> Well, hoarding, I mean, that's why I was uh, emphasizing that word hoarding describes it, right? You uh, you say make a living by uh, <clears throat> having a job. And then you get paid. And then out of each pay, say you are paid weekly or daily, doesn't matter. You squirrel away a small part. Well, you do it every day you get paid. Okay. And then the question is, how can you optimize this? Well, there are two steps. First, you want to find the best commodity which will do that. And once you did, it's not the end of the road because you can further optimize how? By passing from direct conversion to Indirect conversion. Now, what does that mean? Indirect conversion of income into wealth and wealth into income. The capitalization of, uh, of Is the... Capitalization the, of those little bits and pieces Yeah, a simpler word than capitalization. Well, you can exchange. Exchange, exchange yeah. You can exchange income for wealth or the other way around. Okay, But let's stay with the first step which is optimizing by finding the best uh, good, best commodity for the purpose. Okay. This means that every payday you put away something, but not just anything. You put away the thing which can do this conversion with the least possible loss. You see, that is a very important element of this whole thing. I mean, sure, you can you can hoard food stuff which is non-perishable or you can hoard uh, fuel like firewood, and so on, but at every step when you make the conversion there is a loss, and you want to minimize that loss, and the way to minimize it is to work not just with any good but with the most marketable good in the small, which means the most hoardable, and historically it turned out to be silver. So that's how silver came into the question. There's no other good which would do a better job, which means smaller losses involved, when you save or hoard <coughs> silver, and then this hoard later on in your life when you need the extra income. You get older and so on. All right, now I'm still having trouble provoking questions. But now make the transition from direct conversion to indirect conversion. This all follows the steps of Menger when he talks about the origin of money, but uh, I'm not going to return to that, but I just remind you that we have a set pattern ideal pattern which we are following here. So you can discover that you can improve on hoarding if you make the exchange. So there is a guy, soon he's a younger guy, very energetic, lots of energy, lots of ideas, and so on. And he has a surplus of what? Income, right? And he has a deficit of what? Wealth, or if you like, capital or savings and so on, which he could use for going into business for himself. See, he has to work for wages, as it is, but he can generate more income than he consumes. And on the other hand there is the other guy. Now who is this other guy? Please describe the second guy.
0: Um, Later years in life, Yes. um, and surplus of wealth, deficit of income.
1: Yes. Why does he have a deficit of income?
0: Because he doesn't want to work anymore.
1: (laughs) Or he can't. Or he can't. (laughs) Or he can't.
0: Yeah, or he can't.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And his pension is too low. (laughs) You see? So he wants to augment his pension. Now he has some savings. Okay? Whatever form. Now we don't. The nature of wealth he has, but rather than say, dishoarding gold or dishoarding silver or dishoarding salt or any kind of thing, he seeks out the other guy, the younger guy, who has a surplus of income, deficit of wealth. And they just have to agree between themselves. To do. Okay. Now, do uh, perhaps there will be more I've got a comment it's, it's, uh, I was going
0: to say that it's, it's all very much um, it's all very much linked with the, the human cycle the, uh, obviously people are born they get older and then they die and uh, you can see that interest is not dissociated from the human condition.
1: Which is a a biological fact. Mm. We are all subject. There's no choice about it. Now of course in Greek mythology there were gods who were immortal and there were mortal people like us. So there was a choice because sometimes a a mortal was promoted. Male or female could be elevated and given eternal life. What a wonderful world. But we don't have that. And we don't even have a hope that ever, you know, medical science will reach that stage. Although I I read something very recently on the internet that they are experimenting with animals. Uh, to extend their life indefinitely, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I am not one of those who is going to see this experiment <laughs> succeed. Well, anyhow, um, you or you have a question? Yeah, I was mean, just reading this example with, um, a capitalist and uh, the but there was a professor in the third. Uh, element, the third role or character, and it was the manager. So, if I understand
0: it well, the capitalist gives out wealth and gets income, is it correct? A capitalist
1: gives out wealth and gets it, yeah. 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 Okay, then the entrepreneur gives out income and gets wealth. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, we are missing the third part, the manager is giving out knowledge and getting compensation. conversation. And mm-hmm.
0: we didn't know about this, but at least I, I don't... Uh, so can you question? talk a bit about the role of the manager?
1: Oh the yeah, deficit. yeah. What we are doing actually now is, we have a deficit of knowledge, and you have surplus of knowledge. So we
0: are exchanging knowledge you are giving us knowledge. It's a experience.
1: little different, because exchanging knowledge is perhaps not the right word. Knowledge doesn't get diminished if I share. So suppose I have a surplus of knowledge, you have a deficit, I am willing to share my knowledge with you. I am not getting any poorer. But but if you go to capital goods, this is no longer true. If I have a surplus of capital goods, and you have a deficit, and you would like to have some, then that has to be an exchange in the sense that you've got to give me something in exchange. All right? So, uh, the role of the manager? Okay. So, yesterday I talked about a physical example, for example, a sewing machine you run a seamstress business and you buy a sewing machine for so much money and you expect that the return from your business over the lifetime of that sewing machine will be greater so it will give you a living and a profit and so on Now, in order to explain the manager the role of the manager I'm following a different example. Let's suppose that it's just a fruit tree we are talking about. Cherry tree, apple tree, whatever your favorite is. And the entrepreneur wants to go into the apple growing business. So let's assume he starts with one tree. you have, you have to buy the uh, the tree, the young seeds. trees, seeds. Not, no, no, not from seeds. He goes to the uh, uh, nursery. Nursery. nursery, 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 and buys a fairly mature tree. I mean, mature enough to transplant, but not uh, yet bringing fruit. Sapling. Okay. And he picks one. Sapling. Huh? Sapling. 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 Sa- sapling. sapling. sapling, yeah. Okay. Uh, we, we are learning a lot of English. <laughs> process. But uh, the, the, the fruit tree example is a very good one. So he doesn't have the money to pay for it, so he finds a capitalist who advances the price of that tree. You see? And this is the part which is misunderstood most of the time, uh, because there is an exchange of wealth and income involved, okay? So here is the nursery, no, here is a capitalist, okay, and here's the entrepreneur. What kind of exchange is taking place? The capitalist gives up wealth in the form of a sum of money. And the entrepreneur gives a promise to pay a fixed income to the capitalist. So that's the very basis of it. This is how business starts. You have to have exchange. of it. Now it could be that the entrepreneur is independently wealthy and he doesn't need to uh, ask for the services of the capitalist. But if he does not realize in some form or other that there is an exchange of wealth and income involved, even if it's just between one pocket and the other, then he will not likely to succeed. He's not likely to succeed. Because, well, uh, that I'm going to answer the question directly. So, okay, let's go on. Now, he has, the entrepreneur used the money and bought the sapling the young tree and he planted it in his orchard very good but he doesn't, uh, I mean assuming he just does that and forgets about the rest and he thinks that that's wonderful this year I get my harvest okay then wait next year coming around and another harvest, another <laughs> that's going to fail right? why? because there's more than picking fruit from a tree to that business, right? you have to take care of the tree, you have to uh, spray it, in fact some trees need five spraying during the year because there are five different enemies of of that particular tree uh, you know and the five different spray and different time of the end the year so the entrepreneur doesn't want to bother with this he could but he thinks he spends his time in a more profitable way if he would hire somebody to do the spraying and then there are other things to do, uh, which I don't know too much about, but in the fall you have to cut the trees back and prepare them for the winter when the tree goes to sleep, so to speak. And uh, so just hire the guy to do that, and even in the wintertime uh, some caring, it may be necessary, and uh, i'm not going into details what you can imagine and then of course spring is also a very critical season when you have to watch if there is a frost coming and because that could ruin the whole crop uh too early but there are ways and means of preventing that uh, i know in northern california they want to grow oranges but the only way they can do it is they watch the weather and when the uh, frost is uh, forecast then they have some light fire around the tree in the early morning because that's uh, and in this way they save the crop otherwise there will be no oranges uh, coming The trees grow, and uh, but if the frost comes when the buds uh, are in a very critical stage, forget the crop for that year. So there is a job to do, and that's what the manager is doing, and he gets compensation in form of wages say or well perhaps wages is not the word because some of these managers are very highly trained in and doing very complex things so best word is compensation so there's a managerial compensation which the entrepreneur pays at a fixed rate to the manager for doing his job so In many cases there are three people, the entrepreneur, the capitalist, and the manager involved, but these are really roles more than persons, because two of them, or all three of them, could be combined in one person, and there are lots of one person uh enterprises uh, you, you can give yourself any number of examples of that well uh, the more complex the operation gets it's more and more necessary to uh, separate these roles and my point the my main point of that lecture was uh, that it's a mistake to ignore the very important relationship between the capitalist and the entrepreneur. This is the exchange of wealth and income. Very often it's not obvious, or or as I say, not not even uh, done in any conspicuous way, because one person would put money out of one pocket into the other. So what's the difference? But it's very, very important to see. Could you uh, elaborate on that? Uh, because uh, I I find that this is a stumbling block. Yeah.
0: Did you want to say yes. something? I, I was just going to make a comment, yeah. to actually emphasize what you're
1: saying. You know, about 10 years ago, I was in Sydney, and my background research was a third I came to an not an employee, so I started my restaurant. I a So he had to very soon, went to the restaurant. He was never a great employee, and wasn't a the right restaurant,
0: but he was lovely about
1: him. He had him in and it wasn't very good, it wasn't very busy. But I was asking him how he had done this, and he had set himself up as the entrepreneur, the capitalist and the manager. He had initiated the idea, he had produced the capital himself, and he was running the restaurant.
0: And he
1: and I said, that's yes, the gallon, because I didn't like
0: this guy very well, to me. said, great, oh, so I made 1500 a week. Which mm-hmm. he was re-hanging. Really mm-hmm. And I went and thought about it, too. So I never went right back and broke his illusion and that he had bought the property, but he wasn't factoring in the capital at all. Uh-huh. He could have got at least $1,400 a week just <laughs> by renting out the building. He could have been working 60 crazy hours a week for $100 a week, and he had not factored in with the capital. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, fact, an I think he came in activity was purely focused on his role as a manager. He had separated the roles from himself, and uh, you know, logically, he would have
1: rented out the parents And in any job that he got, there would be more than a hundred dollars a week would have been ahead. It was a misallocation of capital.
0: I, I can repeat it.
1: So yeah, professor, are you suggesting that that Israel Kersner is is possibly overlooking these roles and therefore is not hitting his point uh,